You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 159. What's the difference between viable and non-viable toxic mold? Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Today, Steve, we're talking about the difference between viable and non-viable mold. I don't know if lots of people have heard those terms or know those terms. Yeah, you know, I think unless you're a biologist or, you know, specialist in things like that, uh, most people don't, they'll know once we're done with this podcast what we're talking about or hopefully they do hopefully we teach them um but it's it's i typically for our listeners i typically use the terms dormant versus um active so um you know but most professionals use the terms viable versus non-viable and we all use different terms it's just you know it's something important to know whether something's an active infestation or not active so then what does it mean to have viable or non-viable mold? Well, so viable would mean it's an active um, mold infestation. It's it's alive and thriving and doing well. And it's, growing. Exactly. Okay. It's like the difference between your grass when in the winter months, especially where we live, it goes into a dormant state. Um, so it's not active. It's not viable. It doesn't mean it's dead. It's just not doing anything. Okay. And come springtime, it starts getting all that moisture, the temperatures rise. And one of the reasons why, obviously, for grass is because it freezes. Um, same concept with mold. Mold typically is not going to grow if it's frozen. Um, and it, you know, there's just tons of factors. But the easiest way to say it is, is viable, meaning it's alive, it's thriving, it's reproducing, it's growing. The mold infestation is getting bigger. And then when it goes to a non-viable state, it's not growing anymore. 
So then viable mold is equivalent to active mold. Correct. And non-viable mold is equivalent to dormant. Correct. But mold is still present whether it is viable or non-viable. Okay. Like I said, for our listeners, just think of it as your grass. Okay. That's a good... It's brown in, you know, late fall. It's different around, you know, different geographic locations, but... At a certain point, it starts to, for us, the temperatures start freezing. That grass isn't going to keep growing, and it goes into a non-active or a dormant state. So, it's still there. It's mm-hmm. just not growing. You don't have to cut it. You don't have to do anything with it. Well, and I think that's this is one of the things about mold that confuses a lot of people. So, a lot of people who think that, you know, toxic mold isn't real... Their argument in saying, well, toxic mold's not a big deal, is that mold exists everywhere, right? It's in the air, it's everywhere. So how could something that is naturally occurring, always present, you can't get rid of it because it's already in the air, how could it ever be, quote unquote, toxic? And so what turns a mold situation, since it's naturally present, in the air everywhere, what turns it from dormant or non-viable what's that switch that makes it now active and or viable so the 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 best way to 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 address that is is mold spores are naturally present in the air they're microscopic they're floating around depending on you know what type of animals pets i guess is a better way of saying it plants uh, building materials those mold types would be determined by that and by your geographic location. So those mold spores are in the air. You don't see them anywhere. Well, when it's a mold infestation, it's a you can see it growing on the wall and it's getting bigger and bigger. So to have that, you, the three main things, and it's just main things. Obviously, it needs oxygen. Um, but the, the, the three main things it needs is the humidity above 60%. We talk about that all the time. If you can get that that humidity below 60%, that mold shouldn't be able to reproduce. doesn't mean it can't, but it shouldn't. Um, It needs a food source. Well, the food source is going to be cellulose materials. So carpet, wood, cardboard, sheetrock, insulation, all all sorts of things like that. Stuff like concrete, um, let's just say woods that are sealed like this desk. It's not porous enough, so that wouldn't work for the food for mold. And then the third thing, obviously, is the mold spores. So you have those three main things, then it becomes active, and it starts to reproduce. Kind of going back to what you were saying, so mold spores are natural. Mold infestations are not. Oh, explain that. Because the mold spores are in the air, they're microscopic, they're not, they can be harmful to you, depending on if you're allergic to it. But when a mold infestation starts, those start on cellulose materials. That cellulose material could be sheetrock, which once the sheetrock starts to break down, that's what creates the toxic mold. Going back to the mold epidemic, the reason we have it is because of the stuff we're putting in buildings and because homes are sealed up or buildings are are sealed up compared to what they used to be. So, so, So what you're saying is that mold spores are not in and of themselves toxic. It's when the elements... Not per se. Not per se, but when the elements are right and it has the cellulose material and it has the elevated humidity, then they almost mutate into an infestation and that's not natural. It finds the surface that it wants to grow on. Okay. 
And so it's going to go to that. It has to have those three things, the humidity, because you could have an active mold infestation behind a wall cavity or in a wall cavity, not behind it. And the humidity is above 60% in that wall cavity, but it's not out here. So that mold infestation is growing and thriving in that wall, Correct. but it's not out here because it doesn't have the 60% humidity. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, the, the mold spores in the air, your common mold spores, and that's why we do testing outside when we run air tests, those are the microscopic mold spores that are naturally in the air. Once it, it, it starts to, a mold infestations in sheetrock, you're introducing different chemicals, different substances to the air, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Okay. So a, 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 um, a mouse per se in a house that's alive, it's you're not gonna smell it and for the most part it's not gonna be toxic. Once it's dead, now you start smelling it and does that make sense? That it's kind of a weird sense. analogy, but Yeah, it, it it does make sense. So can a non viable mold infestation be harmful to people? Absolutely. Okay. Because w- once those spores enter the body, then they can start producing mycotoxins. Ah, uh, okay. So when it once again, you got to realize that, you know, different mold spores need different things to thrive. Different mold spores are different densities, different weights. Um, so some, you know, some are stickier, like Stachybotrys, the black mold, is a stickier, heavier mold. So that's why a lot of times we'll see it on the top of a shelf, okay. on the top of a baseboard. Um, so it's harder for that to become airborne. Versus other mold types, you know, can be right in the dust that it's really light and it's up in the air and you can't really see it. Okay, so so it's still possible for, even if it's non-viable in the moment, it still could be harmful because once it's introduced into the body yep. and it mixes with every each person's individual body chemistry, yep. you never know what the results are going to be because exactly. everybody's body chemistry is different and there are so many different types of molds and their impacts. Right, once it gets into your lungs, yeah. it, you know, has... Has the environment where it can start producing mycotoxins. Okay. So by the time it's expelled out of your body, it can produce mycotoxins and then do what it's going to do, make people sick. So So what's the most important thing that that you think people should know about viable versus non-viable mold? Well, so, you know, a lot of my clients will say, well, it's, I'm pretty sure it's mold, but I can't tell. Once I hear that, it tells me, for the most part, that it's it's a non-viable mold infestation, meaning it's something on the wall, it's discoloration, it's not fuzzy, there's not a whole lot of texture to it. That tells me that it's not an active mold or non-viable mold infestation. When it's a viable mold infestation, so for our listeners, think about like an orange or actually bread's probably a better analogy. You see the bread, you can you, you see the mold starts to grow on it. It's nice and green and fuzzy, maybe white, depending on what mold type it is. That's a viable mold infestation. It's inside of in a plastic bag, so the humidity is elevated. It has the moisture it needs to be viable. Once you open that that bag that the, the bread is in, that nice fuzzy green mold goes into a dormant state, and so now it's more of a um, it doesn't have a whole lot of texture to it. It's dried out. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Okay. And it's the same concept with mold. Let's just say you have mold in a wall cavity behind a shower, and it's because something's leaking, and 
it's just the drip, drip, drip. So the humidity's high enough. The mold's growing as it's expanding. Let's just say for some reason, which it can happen, there's enough calcium in the water that it calcifies. So that little drip, drip kind of sealed itself off. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then the mold goes dormant. Well, it's still there. And it is it likely to become airborne? Absolutely. It's actually more likely, in my opinion, to become airborne when it's in a non-dormant, or when it's in a dormant state, non-viable state. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Because it's not attached to anything. It's lighter. It's dried out. And it's easily airborne. Okay. Whereas an active one, in my opinion, obviously there's a lot more mold spores, but it's actually attached to whatever food it's eating. Okay. Does that make sense? It's more rooted. And so can if it's a viable mold infestation, does that mean you have to act more urgently on that because it could spread? Or do you act yes. as urgent? Okay, okay. Yeah, because it's, it's spreading and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. And then that's the last thing you want is a, you know, a, a dormant infestation isn't growing. Okay. Now, does that mean it's not of any concern? Of course it's of concern. But whatever was contributing to that, the moisture intrusion event or the moisture which elevated the humidity, that's gone away. Whether it's a leak that sealed itself off, maybe it was a roof that was leaking during a rainstorm. When it's not raining, it doesn't leak, obviously. So, yeah, it's it's not growing and getting bigger. So it's not as urgent, but it's still a concern. Absolutely. Still a big concern. Absolutely. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. What's your call to action for people? So we, I mean, you kind of just touched on it. If if you have an active, so it's nice fuzzy mold infestation, you need to obviously get on it as soon as you can and figure out what's causing, you know, the elevated humidity. And you need this done by a professional. Don't. I'm not saying our listeners aren't, you know, capable of figuring out how to fix a leak, but you've got to fix what's causing that. Because if you don't, it's just going to keep growing and getting worse. And, you know, when when mold is really bad, you've seen it. It, it starts, the wood starts rotting out. I mean, it, it starts causing structural concerns too. So don't ignore a small infestation. Absolutely. And, and that's part of the reason why you've written the books and you've created the courses because you want to educate people about mold so they understand that it is an epidemic. Right. And it cannot be ignored. Exactly. Yep. And it's, you said it, there's court, I have courses that are not expensive and it'll save you a lot of money. Is that a replacement for a professional? No, but it'll, it'll take you down the right road. You need to be going down, whether you need to have a roofer come in, a plumber and the mitigation side, it'll, I walk you through all the steps you need to take. Absolutely. And where can people find that? The free course and the other courses? So the, the free courses I have, um, on the platforms, Udemy or Udemy, however <laughs> people want to pronounce it, um, and on Skillshare. Uh, there, I think tablet wise I have some courses on, but oh, that's right. Skillshare and Udemy are the two main ones. And there's, uh, Skillshare's got two. Courses. Matter of fact, Skillshare doesn't have the free one. Yeah, the free one's on Udemy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because Skillshare flagged it because it's, I mentioned health concerns or it's, something. Exactly. I'm so, not sure. so then if you want to access that free course, go to Udemy, but then there are a number of other courses on there as well. Exactly. All right. You've heard it from the expert. We'll talk to you in the next episode. 
prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.